You know, there are so many people today that have really no idea why we're so excited about the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. They probably never uh, heard or never understood or never had plainly proclaimed to them how that Jesus, the sinless Lamb of God, the majestic Son of God, willingly and voluntarily went to the cross and the Father placed all of our sin on him and that there Jesus Christ died in our place, carrying our sins into the depths of the sea and washing them away with his precious blood. But when you know what Jesus accomplished on the cross and how God put his seal on it, and when he raised his son from the dead, he was saying, I accept that sacrifice. Once and for all, sin has been paid for. Well, when you understand what Jesus did for us and that he's not in the grave and he's alive right now, it just makes you want to say hallelujah. And that's what we've been doing this morning, and I'm thankful. I want to just talk about um, what it means for a person to live on the wrong side of the resurrection or to live on the right side of the resurrection. And all the Gospels have a wonderful account, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, of the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. One will add something and another will add something. But they all come together and it's all a glorious truth about the resurrection of Jesus. But I want to read to you probably one of the most interesting and informative accounts of his resurrection and how it affected the disciples. So I'm going to read the uh, first 12 or 13 verses of Mark chapter 16. Now they'll be on the screen. Now, I want you to just kind of read it in your spirit, read it in your spirit, just read it, and, and let the Lord speak to you about it. This is what Mark got most of this information uh, from Peter, and so you just listen to what it says. <clears throat> now, when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome brought spices that they might come and anoint him. Very early in the morning, on the first day of the week, they came to the tomb when the sun had risen. And they said among themselves, Who will roll away the stone from the door of the tomb for us? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone had been rolled away, for it was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in a long white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. But he said to them, Do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He is risen. <laughs> he is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go and tell his disciples and Peter. Notice. It tells Mary and Mary Magdalene and Salome, just go tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you into Galilee, and there you will see him as he said to you. So they went out quickly 
and fled from the tomb, they trembled and were amazed. They said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. And then it goes on and says, in the, in the next verse, Now when he arose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene. So they all went into the tomb, but then after that he appeared to Mary Magdalene. Now when he rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven demons. So she went, now get this, she went and told those who had been with him, the disciples. So she went and told those who had been with him as they mourned and wept. Here they were, Peter, James, John, Matthew. They were mourning and they were weeping. And so she goes and when, and when they heard, and she told him he was alive, and when they heard that he was alive and had been seen by her, they did not believe. They did not believe. And that he appeared in another form to two of them as they walked and went into the country on the road to Emmaus. And they went and told it to the rest of the disciples, but they did not believe them either. Now here's an amazing account of Mary Magdalene and the two men who walked with Jesus on the road to Emmaus, and he revealed himself to them, that go to the disciples and say, we got great news. Mary Magdalene, Mary Magdalene said, I just saw him. He's alive. Well, they kept right on mourning and right on weeping, and they didn't believe her. And then, of course, uh, the two that walked with him on the road to Emmaus, they said, he opened our eyes, and we saw that it was the Son of God, and we came rushing back to tell you that he's alive. And they did not believe them. Now, that's amazing. Because you know what Jesus had done? Now, I realized that what they had seen, and I'm going to talk about that. But do you know he prepared them over and over again about what was going to happen? Oh, he told them. He said, I'm going to go to Jerusalem. I'm going to suffer at the hands of the religious leaders. And he talked about what was going to happen to him. And they're going to crucify me and kill me. But on the third day, I'll arise. Now, look how he had prepared them. In Luke 18, verses 31 through 34, look at what it says. Now, he took them aside. This is before the cross, before the resurrection. Then he took the twelve aside and said to them, Behold. We're going up to Jerusalem, and all things that are written by the prophets concerning the Son of Man will be accomplished. And he goes on and says, For he will be delivered to the Gentiles, the Romans, mocked, insulted, and spit upon. They will scourge him and kill him. But now listen to what he tells them. And the third day, he'll rise again. Now, couldn't be any plainer than that. He told them how it was going to happen and that he was going to die. But on the third day... He would rise again. And, and, it, and, 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 and you go on and you read also in uh, Mark chapter 18, verses 31 through uh, 34. But he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things, be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes, and be killed, 
and after three days, rise again. So, man, he just told him. He spoke this word openly. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, you're not going to die and leave us, man. He said, Peter, you didn't hear what I said. I'm going to rise again. Well, anyway, you know, Peter just always was sticking his foot in his mouth. He just changed feet. That's all he ever did. And, uh, and, and so Jesus just, you know what Jesus told him? He said, get by, uh, uh, Peter, you're not listening to God. You're listening to man. And said, get behind me, Satan. Because I'm supposed to go to the cross and I'm not going to listen to one thing you have to say. And then there was one other passage where he told him what was going to happen now. In John 2, 18 through 21, he said, uh, he, had been, he had cleansed the temple and drove out the money changers and upset the Jewish religion of the scribes and Pharisees. And they were upset, so the Jews answered and said to him, What sign do you show us since you do these things? By what authority are you doing this? And Jesus answered them uh, and said to them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I'll build it up. I'll raise it up. The Jews said it took 46 years to build this temple, and you will raise it in three days? He was speaking of the temple of his body. Now look, Jesus took those disciples that he loved dearly, and he loved them to the end. He did his best to prepare him, prepare them for what was going to happen. But somehow they had ears, but they really didn't hear. And the problem was, I think they could not get beyond the horrific scene of how he died. You know, I got to thinking about them. They'd been with him for three years. And nobody ever loved them like Jesus loved them. And they watched the blind see and the lame walk and the deaf hear. Watched Lazarus be raised from the dead. And they remembered all the wonderful things that Jesus had said and done. How powerful he was. And then all of a sudden they saw him mocked, his bud pick, his beard plucked out, spit upon, scourged with 39 stripes to the point of death and bleeding and, 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 and agony, bearing his cross. And then somebody helping him take it and then he died. And how they mocked him when he was on the cross. If you're the king of the Jews, come down from the cross. Thank God he didn't. But see, they'd seen that. They couldn't get it out of their mind. They should have gone back and said, yeah, but he told us this was going to happen. But they just couldn't. They did. And so there they were in the room, mourning and weeping, and Jesus was alive. Now, here's the point I, I want to make with you is this, that uh, in John that said the doors were closed because the same day of the evening, meaning the first day of the week, when the doors were shut for the disciples because they're afraid of the Jews. Here's what I want you to see. For a period of time, maybe 24 hours, I don't know how long it was, Jesus was alive. But the disciples were living like he was dead. And you see, uh, when you live on the wrong side of the resurrection... And you believe that Jesus is dead, then everything changes. Everything changes. And what happened to the disciples, here they were. Mary Magdalene said, I saw him. 
he'll see you in Galilee. The two men said, we saw him, he'll see you in Galilee. But they just kept mourning, and they just wouldn't believe. But you know, you know what happens when you don't really know that Jesus is alive? Now, don't misunderstand me. You wouldn't be here this morning unless you really believed that Jesus died on the cross. I know that. You wouldn't be here today unless you believed that he rose from the dead, that he bodily, physically rose from the dead. However, the question we have to ask, how does it affect our lives? Are we like the disciples who, even though Jesus were alive, wouldn't believe it, and they lived as though he were dead? And I'm telling you, when people, they may intellectually know Jesus is alive. They may intellectually know, but experientially, they have never experienced the living Christ in their lives. And so therefore, since they've never, oh, yes, I believe he's alive, but it doesn't affect the way they live on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday. Why? Because somehow they have not experienced the reality of the living Jesus. They, 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 they say, yes, I know he's alive, but somehow they have not. Well, how can you tell? How can you tell that you're living on the wrong side of the resurrection? How can you tell that intellectually you may have embraced it, but it's not a reality? Well, all you got to do is look at the disciples. Number one, they, they were full of fear, full of fear. They said they had the doors locked for fear of the Jews. You know, Fear is uh, one of the devil's favorite weapons. He loves, he's a roaring lion that goes around singing whom he may devour. And, and 365 times in the Bible, one for every day, the Bible says, fear not, fear not, fear not. But you know, the disciples were afraid. They were afraid that, uh, hey, they could be next. And they had fears about many, many, many things. And I want you to know, if you live your life gripped by fear, or you have sudden fears that come upon you, and you don't know how to deal with them, then it's possible that you, you really don't, you're living on the wrong side of the resurrection. Because when you know Jesus is alive, you can face any fear. You can face any fear. Because Jesus Christ is greater than any fear that would ever come and stalk you in your life. I think another thing that the disciples were dealing with, they'd lost hope. You see, their hope was wrapped up in Jesus. <laughs> For three years, they'd followed him. They left everything. They left their fishing boats, and they, most of them were fishermen. Matthew was, uh, 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 was uh, an accountant or something, whatever you call them in those days. Somebody said a thief, but that wasn't it. But anyway... Uh, they, they had all left, left different, they left families and friends. And for three years, they had walked right in the dust of Jesus and listened to every word that he had said and knew that it was true and, and saw the miraculous things that he had done. And it had, it had stirred their hearts and warmed their hearts. But now they were gripped by worry. Well, what am I going to do now? My, my hope was all was tied up in Jesus. It was tied up in Jesus, and he's dead. So where do I go from here? 
when I come out of this room with these locked doors, what am I going to do tomorrow? And so they, they were not only gripped with fear, but they'd really lost hope and were anxious and worried because Jesus was their life and their goal was to follow him the rest of their lives. But now he was dead. Listen, isn't it hard to understand? They should have been the first ones at the tomb on that third day. Because over and over Jesus said, I'm going to rise again on the third day. Man, they should have been there before the sun came up. Just waiting for the miraculous rolling away of the stone. And for the miraculous resurrection of the Son of God as power. With power as King of kings and Lord of lords. But instead, they were locked in a room gripped with fear. They had lost hope. And then I'll tell you another thing. You can tell when you're living on the wrong side of the resurrection. If you're gripped with fear and you've lost hope. Is they knew that they did not have the power. To live the life God wanted them to live. If Jesus was dead. You see Jesus had let them be involved in his ministry. For example. He called the disciples together. And divided them into twos and over in Luke. And sent them out to preach the good news. And tell the, the people that Jesus Christ was a Messiah and was alive. And boy, they went out. The disciples did. He told them to heal the sick, cast out demons, whatever. And they came back and they were so excited. They said, Jesus, even the demons are subject to us when we call your name. They had known the power of a living Jesus. Jesus said, well, don't rejoice in that. Rejoice that your name's written in, in the Lamb's book of life in heaven. But see, fear, loss of hope, a sense of helplessness, unable to ever live out and ever be what God wanted them to be. And I'll tell you one other thing that gripped them. They were living on the wrong side of the resurrection. They knew they were going to die. And they'd watch their Savior die. Well, if Jesus was dead, what hope was there for them when they faced the death? Would die in their sins? And so here they were, and they were mourning and weeping, full of unbelief, full of unbelief. Now, I'm telling you, there are many people who are religious and who say the right things about, I believe he died on the cross for my sin. I believe God raised him from the dead, but they don't let, it doesn't affect their everyday life. It doesn't translate into the fact that the living Christ makes a difference. Well, that's not, that's not the end of the story, as well you know. We wouldn't be here today if it were not for the words of the disciples. So let's read, read on a little bit. In John chapter 20, verses 19 and, and, and 20. You know, everything happened, it said here. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, the doors shut. When the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the middle of them and said to them, Peace be with you. Wow. All of a sudden, Mourning and weeping, refusing to believe what the t other witnesses had told them. 
now the Son of God. He comes and stands in the middle of them and says, Peace be unto you. And, and look at the, and the next verse on the screen. When he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Don't you think that's an understatement? I think they probably run around that room about four or five times. The disciples were glad. He wasn't dead. The grave couldn't hold him. He's alive. Everything changed. (laughs) They didn't have to be afraid anymore. They didn't have to be full of anxiety and hopeless anymore. They knew they would have the power to be what God wanted them to be. And they knew that they didn't have to fear the grave because the Son of God had overcome death. They were glad when they saw the Lord. And they started living on the right side of the resurrection. Now, let let me talk to you about what it means to live on the right side of the resurrection. It means that, first of all, that you have personally experienced the living Christ. That you have had an encounter with Jesus yourself. Now, I'm not talking necessarily about an emotion. I'm talking about at some point in your life, at some point in your life, realizing that you were a sinner and separated from God because of your sin, separated from God because of your wickedness, headed for hell, that somehow you had a divine interruption. The Holy Spirit of God convicted you of your sin. The Holy Spirit of God opened your eyes and you realized that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that he did die on the cross in your place and that God did raise him from the dead. And there, with the, in repentance, turning from your sin, you embraced Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You received him and asked him to come into your life. Well, you had an encounter with Jesus. And from that point on, he was not just a historical figure. He was not just somebody that, quote, died on the cross and rose from the dead, but he was your personal Savior and your personal Lord. And this song that I love so much became a reality to you. I serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. I know that he is living, whatever men may say. I see his hand of mercy. I hear his voice of cheer. And that just when I need him, he's always near. And then he said, he lives. He lives. Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me. He talks with me along life's narrow way. He lives. He lives. Salvation to impart. You ask me how I know he lives. He lives within my heart. Oh, man. You see, you're living on the right side of Easter when you know Jesus. I'm not, and people meet Jesus in many different ways as far as the way they meet him. But it always involves repentance of sin and faith in Jesus Christ and trusting him with your eternal soul. Now, look what happened after they uh, saw Jesus was alive. First of all, and this is going to help you, those disciples who had felt all alone, abandoned, 
the hopes were smashed. They realized when they saw Jesus and spent some time with him. By the way, they, uh, when he went in one of the accounts of the gospel, they uh, still were having trouble believing when Jesus was the son of God. And he said, look at my hands. He said, and then he said this, have y'all got anything to eat? That's exactly what he did. And said, come on. And he ate, some, ate something with them. So I guess that means we're going to eat in heaven. I don't know. But it'd be fine with me. As long as I could pick the menu. But isn't it amazing? He wanted them to see that, hey, I'm alive. Look, th- th- this is a real body. Reach forth and touch the nail prints in my hand. But see, they came to the realization that they would never be out of the presence of Jesus again. The fact that he was alive and that he was their Savior and Lord, they knew that no matter what they went through, no matter what they faced, they would never be out of the presence of the living Jesus. And by the way, did they go through anything? Every one of those 11, every one of them, that was so afraid, died a martyr's death, every one of them. They died for the faith. John died on the Isle of Patmos, being isolated there by himself. That's where God gave him revelation. But you got to know every one of them laid down their life because they, the living Christ was a reality to them. And they were never, they were assured in their hearts that they would never be out of the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, God showed me a verse this week. He just brought it back to my mind, and I couldn't get away from it. You see, uh, the disciples knew that Jesus was going to, one day was going to leave them. He, they knew that. And so Jesus told them that he was going to send his spirit. We see, we believe in the Father, perfect deity, the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, perfect deity, The Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit, perfect deity. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, these three are one in essence and complete deity. They never act separately. They always act in agreement. And Jesus told them, said, now look, I am going to leave, but I'm not going to leave you. He said, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, my spirit, and he's going to come and live in you. And I want you to listen to what he told them. I can relate to this. In John chapter 14, verses 15 through 18, he said, If you love me, keep my commandments. Okay? Now, here it is. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper. Talking about the Holy Spirit. Another of the same kind. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. Called the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of truth. I'm, 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 sent, I'm coming back to you in the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him. They, they were aware of the Holy Spirit. He dwells with you. Hey, but at Pentecost, he will, he will be in you. And then he goes on, and this is what I want you to see. Isn't this interesting? I will not leave you orphans. Huh. You know, That had to bring tremendous hope to the disciples. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. You know what it is? 
to be an orphan. You don't have a mother. You don't have a fam father. You don't have a family. You're all alone. And those disciples so wanted Jesus to stay bodily with them. But Jesus said, now listen, I'm coming and I want to promise you one thing. I will not leave you as an orphan. I'm afraid that so many times people who are Christians live like orphans. They forget that God is their father and Jesus is their savior and, and, and Lord and the Holy Spirit is that personal comforter. So I won't tell you what the, when you're living on the right side of the resurrection, you live with the awareness that Jesus will, you will never be out of the presence of the Son of God. Never. And also, you will understand that Jesus not only is with you, but he is your life. You see, for a long time, I, I had, a, you know, I, I was just getting started and I was so excited about Jesus and still am about Jesus back there uh, in history. When he healed the sick, the lame, the blind, raised the dead, taught, preached like no one else preached. I mean, just to go through the Gospels and see him, we just see God manifesting himself through the Son. And I was so excited about the historical Christ. And then I got, I was not only excited about that, but then I, I was excited about Jesus up there. He was seated at the right hand of the Father, interceding for us. And when one day was going to come back, and, and he is coming back in power and glory. But you know, i tell you what made me most excited. It was not Jesus back yonder or Jesus up yonder, but it was Jesus right in here. It was Jesus in my heart that he came to live in me. And the Bible says in Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. When he died, I died with him on that cross because I trusted him. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. What part of that do I not understand? Man, Christ lives in me. And the life I live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who gave himself for me. You know what it says in Romans 5.10? If when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Now stay with me. Much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. We are saved by his life. Brother Fred, I thought it was his shed blood on the cross that we're saved. It is. I, I thought that in fact that he took my sins, he did. But also part of salvation. And Ed quoted it. If you, it says, if you will confess Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has what? Raised him from the dead. We're saved by his life. And, and the good news is this. It is Christ in you, the hope of glory. You know, one of the hardest things in the world to do is to try to follow Jesus in your own power. To try to live the Christian life in your own power. I'm telling you, that's called living under the law. And people get discouraged. 
And they just give up and quit because they say, I can't do it. I can't do it. He tells me to love my enemy, and I have trouble loving my neighbor. He tells me to forgive 70 times 7, and I don't even want to forgive once. And he he tells me to be kind and gentle and loving and no bitterness. And, and I mean, it's just such a high standard, man. I, I can't do it. I can't do it. Listen to me. God never said you could live the Christian life. He never said it. That would be living under the law if you did it yourself. But God said that Jesus would come to live in you, and by his power, he would live his life through you. And that's how you live the Christian life. You just surrender to Jesus and let him take over. And see, so I'm telling you, the fact that Jesus was alive, that they would, he, they would never be out of his presence, but that he would live his life in them. And through them. And give them the power to be what God told, wanted them to be. And the power to do what God wanted them to do. You don't struggle and you don't strive. Quit believing the lie of the devil. You've got to do better. You've got to try harder. You've done it. You did it. You've done better and tried harder. And you failed. Until you die to yourself and let Jesus take over your life. You will never live a victorious life. Because it's Christ in you. So. Living on the right side of Easter is knowing that we'll never be outside the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. We'll never be orphans. But it also is to know that, we, that Jesus Christ himself is the one who gives us the power to live the Christian life. By the way, Jesus Christ in you can overcome any fear. Jesus Christ in you can overcome any worry, any temptation. It's Jesus in you. Somebody said, well, what do you do when the devil knocks at the door? They said, well, let Jesus answer the door. And that's exactly what you do. He's the way we overcome temptation. But you know, there's another thing. And though this, this gets me excited. We, we're never out of his presence. He's alive. We're living on the right side of the resurrection. He lives in us to live his life through us. And all we got to do is surrender. But you know what? Death has lost its sting. And death has lost its power. I love that passage over in 1 Corinthians. Chapter 15. And, and go back uh, one to, uh, a couple of verses before that. Maybe 53 or 54. It, it's talking about uh, for, for this corruptible body must put on incorruption. And this mortal body must put on immortality. And when this corruptible body is put on incorruption and this mortal body has put on in immortality, she'll be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. You know, you know what the Bible says is our last enemy? Our last enemy is what? Death. That's our last enemy to be destroyed. But Jesus has already won the victory and goes on and says, Death, where is your sting? Grave, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin and the strength of sin is the law. But I love this. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory over death. That's what he's talking about through our Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. I want to tell you something. The fact that Jesus is alive means that he's the resurrection and the life for you. I love what he told Martha about the resurrection. She said, I know my brother will rise again in the last day. You know what Jesus said to her? 
I am the resurrection. You're talking to the resurrection. I am the resurrection and the life. He that lives and believes in me, will, uh, though he die, yet shall he live. He who lives and, and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? She said, I believe you're the Christ, the Son of God. Did you know, while we have many things not in common, we do have, every one of us have one thing in common, that we're all dying. What a pleasant thought, Brother Fred. <laughs> but the day you were born, you started to die. That's right. I'm one day closer to death today than I was yesterday. And another day closer. So we, we all, unless Jesus comes back soon, you shall find, Lord, any time. And we're raptured and caught up in the air to meet the Lord. Then every one of us in this room will experience physical death. But you know, here's a beautiful thing. Death has lost its sting. It has no claim on us. And I love that verse just to, that says, to be absent from the body is to be what? Present with the Lord. I'm telling you, death is overcome. And I'm going to say something. I have preached uh, over a thousand funerals. I don't have any. I've lost the count. I just will count them when I get to heaven. But anyway, and I've been with people, a lot of people, when they took their last breath. But what I found with God's children who know Jesus as their life and who are living on the right side of the resurrection, they're not afraid to die. Absolutely not afraid to die. They are concerned about how they might die. And I'm not afraid to die, I'm telling you, but I'm concerned how I do die. I want to die well. I mean, that's the way I want to die without getting sick. But that ain't going to happen unless God just takes me and I don't know it. But let me just say this to you. I'll tell you one thing. I have seen the presence of God fill the room of his dying children. I've seen the presence of God fill the lives of those who are ready to go and meet their Lord. Oh, it's, been a, it's a glorious thing when a child of God, precious in the sight of the Lord, is the death of his saints. And so I want to tell you, friend, if you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and he's living in you. And you're living on the right side of the resurrection. And Jesus is alive in you. you. You can stare death square in the eye. And have absolutely no fear. You may be concerned about how. But death has lost its sting. It has no power. You know, I, I, I love to remember encounters that can only be explained as God. And I... Uh, I've told this story before, but I, I'm going to tell it again. I may tell it another time. I love it so much. Walt Weddle got esophageal cancer. They did that horrible surgery to try to remove it and reconnect it and didn't work. He's a former colonel in the Marine Corps or whatever it was, physically fit, ate right. But we got mortal bodies. You don't choose when you get sick or don't. But he uh, basically was starving to death, basically what it was. But you know what he did? Everybody that came in that room, he told them about Jesus. Amen. Everybody that came in that room, he told them that they needed to be ready to die. 
I mean, he, he, he was a powerful witness. And God just kept him alive a lot longer than he would have to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. But I did something that I never do. I went to a hospital on Saturday. And because I knew he was getting weaker and weaker. And I sat on the edge of his bed and we talked a while and prayed. And I got up and left. And, and it was Saturday. And as I walked out the door and down the hall, uh, Walt said, well, Brother Fred... I'll see you in the morning. And I said, uh, you're not going to see me in the morning. It's Saturday. I don't go to the hospitals on Sunday. And then it dawned on me. He knew he was going to die that night. And so that night he died. And guess what? I'll see him in the morning. That thrills me. It's just like that. I'll see you in the morning. Now, let me ask you this. Do you know the living Christ? Do you know him? As the song says, he walks with me and talks with me. I'm not talking about emotional experiences. I'm talking about a walk of faith. When fear comes, do you turn to Jesus? When anxiety and oppression comes, do you turn to Jesus? When you sin and fall short, do you turn to Jesus? Is he the one you go to? You see, I'm telling you, the living Christ, you have a living relationship. And you know him personally. There's been a time where you've repented of your sin, turned from him, invited Christ to come to live in you. And he has. And he's changed your life. And when you make decisions, you talk to Jesus about it. And when you make plans, you talk to Jesus about it. And when you face mountains and struggles, you talk to Jesus about it. And when you're discouraged, you talk to Jesus about it. I'm saying to you, is he more than a historical figure? Do you know him in your daily life? You can. Just remember. Just know that you're saved. You've repented and Jesus Christ has forgiven you. And it's more than emotion now. It's by faith. You may go up and down, but you know that you know that you know that you belong to Jesus. Now, once you know that, then you know you'll never be alone. Never. And you know that you have the power to live the Christian life because he lives in you. And you also know that you'll never have to fear death. Never. You may be concerned how, but you'll say, hey, Death has lost its sting. It has no hold on me. I hope you're living on the right side of the resurrection. Don't, and aren't living like the disciples did for those 24 hours when they thought Jesus was dead.